Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. My son was in the... Push on a little bruise down 
Alrighty, we're back, and uh, we since you had to go through the horror of not being able to hear us, uh, we spared you the commercial. We'll play it at the end, and we let you listen to the wonderful Amish music brought to us by Ordy Packard. Um, that's that's the Dead South. They're a uh, they're a bluegrass. They're a satirical bluegrass band, but they uh, keep true to the art form. So, if you're not familiar with them, check them out. I think it was Al that turned me on to them. And, uh, check them out. Yeah, I'm a bluegrass connoisseur. Um, for real. And I just absolutely love that. I, I, I believe I may have heard of them before. Um, if I did, I know where I heard of them. But, um, so we're going to call it a wrap on the rundown. And I'm going to give you guys the link and chat to the rest of it. So you can take a look at it if you want to. Um, really good web route rundown. I think they do these pretty regularly, maybe every day. Um, so that is, uh, that's a really good source. And you'll probably hear um, more about uh, things like, uh, things from this particular rundown from us so um but well, jeff you, had, you you wanted to make a comment about the mongodb before we did yes uh the mongodb database breach uh was slightly misconfigured and as a result they estimate up to 8 million sales records were discovered in that database and the database contained roughly 4 million records pertaining to Amazon, UK, and eBay alone, uh, comprised mainly of payment and contact information for online shoppers. Now, if you are a nerd or a geek like me who likes to get authentic British books or D&D material, you may have shopped there, and it is something that you may want to pay attention to if you have similar tastes, especially with books. If you've gone to either of those places to, to look for anything, you may want to try to find out if you were included in that database breach. And I think, Lou, already you had a good place that you uh, could direct people to see if they've been compromised by a breach like this. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, we may have, um, we may we've have talked talk- about it in the past. Yeah. We talked about this in the past. It's called, have I been owned or have I been pwned? Um, have I been pwned? Yeah, have com. I been pwned? Um, so this is, and it's a great site. You can basically any email address that you've ever used, put it in here, and it will it will tell you which um, data breaches that email address has come up on. Um, and I'll tell you what's really interesting for me is to see which email addresses I have that have been compromised and which email addresses that I have that have never been compromised. And that's really fascinating because I've got a couple that have been compromised tons of times and then all the rest of them have never been compromised. And I use them like I use them all in different places and it's really kind of it's interesting just to look at it no matter what, but, um, yes. Yeah, some of my clients I'll go to and they'll still have an AOL email address and I just cringe. Yeah. (laughs) And Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, how long have you had this email address? Oh, 20 years. Ugh. 1997 for my AOL, and it's still up and running thing. <laughs> yeah. Or has it been pwned? No. That's stunning. Yeah, well, because, that is probably because nobody thinks that an AOL address is real anymore. I know, really. Um, oh, AOL, I'm being punked. That's like a 555 phone number. But, but what, <laughs> exactly. So we were talking about it's always a third party. So correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a third party payment system. Am I right? I believe it was, yes. Yes, it's always the third party. So um, that's talk about cringing, right? When you're working in security, um, every time, you know, the developers say, well, we'll just bring in a third party, you cringe. Like your entire inside, your pucker factor increases by like a factor of 10. Every time I have just know. lost all control of the security for this project. Right, exactly. Or, yeah, you're, okay. That's when you go update your LinkedIn uh, resume and go, yeah, anyone else want to deal with me <laughs> Right. Or, or really, actually, you say, yeah, okay, so you're going to set that key to, uh, that access key to, to regenerate every seven days. And they're like, oh, that's going to oh. be a nightmare. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, not as much of a nightmare as getting breached is going to be. But anyway, so, yeah, wonderful things like that that, that, that that people never see and you never think about. But, you know, once you put it out there, they're like, Oh, yeah, you know, that could be a big deal. But what, you know, kind of what that points to is watch, be cognizant of where you're putting your credit card number and where you're putting and, and what you're using to do that. There's a couple of things that I do. They could be good or bad, right? And like, I haven't. I think they're good, and I do them for reasons that I think are good. But as soon as I say it, somebody else is going to be like, oh, you shouldn't do that because of this, that, and the other thing. And the Internet's always passing access keys back and forth. And, you know, here's your key for that, and here's your key for that, and this lets you in. And I'll allow you to pay via PayPal because I'm going to send you this key to be able to do that, right? They don't always handle this. There's always a way to get breached, no matter whether you think what you're doing is smart or whether it really is smart. But if I, well, I learned my lesson about buying things just because they're cute and I can only find them from this one place that I really don't know that much about I with the, with the shine breach. So I brought a I bought a blouse on Shine a year later. They were like massively breached. And that's totally on my I've been owned list. So um it I mean that was a it was a huge data breach. And I was like, why did I ever even buy from those people? But two things I do real quick and then we'll move on to the next story. I I shop as a guest, so I don't create an account. 
so they don't get a password and they don't get my credit card and they you know things like that and I use PayPal when I can because I don't have to give a company that I don't know a little bit about their security protocols or how secure they are my credit card information like they pass a key to to PayPal who passes you know an okay will charge her and send you the money back to them but they never get any of that detail well, I, I've got simple rule when it comes to my online shopping. If it's not a brick and mortar that has an online presence, like say Target, Walmart, things like that, or if they don't have PayPal or Amazon Pay services as an option, I don't need to buy from them. I can find it a hundred other places. I yep. think those are good rules. I mean, I I would definitely agree with those. And it's, I mean, if you're talking about all this, this is the same thing I tell my clients is that it's not a matter of if your data is breached, your data has been breached. It is now taking a proactive role in your life to, to mitigate the damage of that. If you do online banking, constantly check your account. And I don't mean like you don't need to do it five times a day. You don't need to become OCD about it, but keep an eye on your account because the sooner it is to the moment of fraud, the easier it is, it's going to get your money back from the bank or at most of it. You know, they can, they can, the earlier you open the fraud ticket, the earlier you are going to be compensated. Um, LifeLock. I just as an example, I, I got a new credit card last week. It wasn't as soon as I hit the send on, as soon as I hit send on the application, LifeLock popped up to make sure that it was me. Yep. So, that, that that's my you know short of going and making you know go to have I been pwned and everything else that's my best practices and that's what I tell my clients as well yeah I I I will tell you there is um one advantage of being a student is that you get student pricing and um you know free software and all one thing that they've added to our student store is the Norton suite and I'll tell you, Ordy, because of you, I oh, I've almost purchased it. Like I'll <laughs> probably end up going back and getting that before I graduate because um, it's like I say, it's bloaty, but it's like that big ass Swiss Army knife. You're never going to need everything right. that it provides, but it has all of the things. It's got and, your VPN. And I'll, I'll probably never put the antivirus. But, in my, but, but there's, uh, all, one thing there's all these it, other things. It, it comes with LifeLock. In fact, they're tied in with LifeLock now. Yeah. Exactly. So, so it, it's like there's value added right there. You know, what you spend on yeah. a VPN, there's your value added right there too. So I mean, there is good value in it. And yeah, you're not going to use all the things because we use better tools for a lot of things that it does. And it's, but, it's 90% off in that student store. So, I mean, you know. Right. Well, yeah. And you, how can I check and like I said, for, for people who are in students, check around Black Friday. They've got great yearly deals. Same with Malwarebytes. And none of these companies sponsor our show. We, 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 we talk about them because we use them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so we heard, I think yesterday actually was the first time it happened. Well, it just happened Sunday. It happened. Sunday, yeah, Sunday it happened night. Sunday night. Yeah. So this just happened. This yeah, today new. basically. This is all yeah. new stuff. But 
We heard it from Bloomberg first. Which, so, yeah. Yeah, so, but it, it it's evidently, you know, the, the, um, even Secretary Pompeo has, you know, acknowledged that it happened. Evidently, there was some kind of, and this is what they're officially calling it from the State Department and the National Security Council right now. There was a cyber incident at Hilton Human Services in the process of all this pandemic stuff that we haven't talked about much tonight, which is good because I don't think any of us really wanted to. But <laughs> this. We don't want to relive last week's show. Right, exactly. So this cyber incident could have been it, it, we're not real sure what it is at this point what what i'm sh- what i'm certain what what i feel certain at, at at the very least took place was some kind of denial of service attack so there was a i believe yeah. there was a ddos which you know we've talked about before on this show how ddoses can be um used to deflect or to to soften to weaken a system to get in uh very likely why they were doing this but it doesn't mean that they they actually got in and what the state department and um and 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 it's this is what's really interesting is that yeah this their whole description screams of a denial of service attack what it was was a Mm -hmm. they were trying to overwhelm the security infrastructure of the uh, health and Hu- Department of Health and Human Services. Right. Now, we've talked about DDoS attacks before. This is most of what I will find on my clients' computers. Most of the malware you get on your computers is actually they're not trying to get your information. They don't care about you. They want to use your computer to be used in a DDoS attack. Yeah, and what that is is when you when you have that little bit of malware on your computer, then the command and control server will send out a go code with the address that they want you to hit or the IPs they want you to hit, right. and then your computer, unbeknownst to you, because it's a very small web traffic that you're not going to notice, and a million other computers simultaneously who have also been breached by that malware will target a single. IP address or a single URL trying to overwhelm it so they can make their real attack. Yes, and if you've heard the term botnet, basically what they're doing is making you a bot in the net. So your TV or your router or your computer or whatever has now, because of that malware, has now become a bot in the net of a botnet. Your refrigerator, your car, everything that's in the internet of shit. Your toaster, your whatever. Yeah. And and I don't know if you're familiar with uh, SETI at home or the new one, what is it, Folding at home? It's kind of using that same technology. They're just using your computer to do things. It it really is, okay, here, let me come in, grab your fridge, grab your beer, and head out. Yeah, SETI at home is definitely a type of, uh, a sort of... You know, permission-based botnet because you know they got permission from people, so it wasn't illegal. But um, so, but here's the really interest. There's a couple of really interesting things about this to me, and it reminds me of the hack that we saw the last fall 
that just recently got attributed to Russia where they said, yeah, that was Russia that did the hack against Ukraine. So the, the way it's being handled, this is what reminds me of that. The way that it's being handled internally in the government. So there, there are only two entities that have really spoken about this cyber incident at all. Again, it's only been 24 hours, but we've heard two agencies speak of it or organizations within the government. The National Security Council and the State Department. So yeah, they might that right there says that it's a uh, you know it's a state actor it, absolutely, a, or that they have some idea or some indication, or they at least have reason to believe, even if it's just their gut. They're like, uh, that had to be a state actor. Something happened <laughs> in the process that made them believe that that was a state actor. The other thing is how non-committal they are about anything and some of the words that are being used the national security council when they tweeted about this cyber incident alluded to a text disinformation campaign so text messages it, this this tells me that potentially maybe at least someone believes that a text message campaign was used as uh, uh, maybe this the the breach was used as a platform for it, maybe it was just done simultaneously with it. But there was a disinformation campaign that somehow came out of this breach. Or was yeah, the timing was nearly simultaneous. That the rumor that um, a text message went out that the federal government was going to uh, start. Doing some martial law type things. National lockdown is what they were calling. Yeah, national, national lockdown, lockdown in conjunction with the uh, DDoS attack on HHS. I it was the, the timing was nearly simultaneous. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and maybe that's what maybe that's why they're not. But there, I mean, when you, it it makes me think. You know, with 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 my training and 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 with what I do, I it makes me think that there is it's more than just timing. There's some commonality between yes. the, between the two to make them do that, but they're not coming right out and say it, saying it right. But there, are, they have said a few things like they they are certain that it that the purpose was disinformation campaign the the purpose of the cyber incident was disinformation yes and and uh, if anyone's listened to our shows in the past we kind of have our culprits for disinformation yeah yeah we talk a lot about dis disinformation and misinformation and, and it, my favorite thing is to explain the difference between those two things misinformation is getting it wrong Disinformation is information you create for the reason or for the purpose of spreading it. See, now you had made a comment about, um, you know, this, the similar similarities to earlier Russian um, attacks uh, and the, the, the government response to it. I also want to point out in two of our 
previous shows too. This is also in the wheelhouse of China. In fact, they do love yes. to get themselves into uh, text messaging services, as yes. we've talked about in the past. And uh, we are in a um, dick slapping match with Ch- currently with China too well, over their China, response too. As far as breaching the system, anyone who wanted, no one has more incentive to get into HHS and see what data we have um, or to cause a disinformation campaign around this particular virus than China does. No, there's no more bigger incentive. And I told some, there was speculation about it today on, on Twitter and someone was say, someone said, Iran, Iran or Russia, I said China. I've got money on China, literally. Uh, if I was a betting man, it would be China, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I, absolutely. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule the long, the long shot of Iran out on this too, because they are suffering mightily from coronavirus it's, as well. It's a text message, like you mentioned, that really screams China to me. But Iranians are smart; they they like to mimic. So I can't rule that out, but my gut is still screaming one hundred percent. They all are. I mean, it's, you know, and it's, there, it was, there was a DDoS attack. I mean, it still could be like Katie Hill's boyfriend or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, because, you know, she has the virus. Right. <laughs> we know she, we, we know he likes to DDoS, but it, you know, but in, in all seriousness, my money would be on China at least being in the lead. But I, I think what everybody needs to, um, start to realize or at least have some awareness of the fact that it's highly likely at this point that those three enemies are our primary enemies. And the likelihood of them working together to um, affect us in very negative ways is it? It's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm not going to say that it's highly likely. Yeah, no, I, I, no in an election, I don't know that. And whether they're working together or not, they could be working at the same time and both doing different attacks without communicating. So we could be. It could be both or th- all three. I'm not sold on the working together on any aspect. But they see a giant weekend they're going to attack. I did that once, you know, when I was in undergrad and um, was wrong. So, um, I, you know, I, I swore that something would never happen that actually happened for those, same, <laughs> for that same, for that same reason. But, and, and there's, I, I will not, someone will show me proof. Before I believe that sandworm is not an Iranian-Russian crossover hacking group. However, and that's just a gut, that's just kind of a gut thing. I don't really have proof to prove it, but I need proof that it's not true for me to believe that it's not true. So, but, but that doesn't make any of them any more powerful than they are, like... You're only as good as your best hacker is good and your worst hacker is good, right? So it's like the weakest link. 
thing. There's always going to be some dumbass like that North Korean that's going to leave <laughs> his metadata behind in a PDA. <laughs> right. Right. See, now, I, I think the important takeaway from this you know, story, too, is that um, in the wrap-up of the coronavirus, HHS actually hardened their IT infrastructure. Um, so whether is. there was a breach or not is unknown, but they're fairly confident that there wasn't a breach, which I think that from a usually the wheels of government moving really slow and stupid standpoint, the fact that they said, OK, we have a potential for a pandemic here. We are going to actively monitor our IT infrastructure. Well, so, and one, they were able to quickly respond to the DDoS attack, and two, they're fairly certain that no data was breached. Well, and I, I'm fairly certain nothing was breached, too, because I think we would have started seeing it this morning, if not overnight. Makes um, sense. Yeah, I mean, we would, have seen, we would have seen leaked emails by now. We would have seen media leaks come in left Just like we've right. said in the past, hackers are fame fags. They are. They're all friggin' fame fags. We would have, someone would have taken credit, you know, some hackers would have taken credit for it or something. You know, it was chuckling squad. They'd be dumping data all over the place. We, we would have heard about it, right? And, and it would have all been a bunch of negative stuff. So, um, but as to the hardening, there's been more hardening of systems and data and uh, more buildup of offensive and defensive cybersecurity since Trump took office than probably in the four decades before him. So, you know, the we can really, I mean, we really have him to thank for a lot of that, including the fact that they they most likely did not get anything from what they attempted. And, and it's another thing that they're calling another reason that they're calling it a cyber incident because something happened and it, it takes time and a lot of effort to figure out what that was, no matter who you are. When you're talking about government infrastructure, it'll take some time for them to figure out exactly what but I gotta hand it to them that they're not making claims that it was nothing when they don't know what it was. So I think that's a bonus. And they're um, not claiming that it was something, you know, or blaming someone for it that they don't know actually did it. So I think they're handling it very well, like they have a lot of other things. Um, recently, and I got to hand it to him, but I don't think, you know, that they were breached in every in, in any way, because I think we would have seen things dropping all day long today. Um, cra crazy, like emails and so and so did this and such and such did that, and you know, I one hundred percent agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mike Pompeo has a girlfriend, and I mean, you name it, you name it, we would have seen it drop today. So we didn't see any of that, and you know, I don't think. But as far as China wanting to get, they want our data. They want they want to know what we know 
about their virus. What do we know about the Wu flu? That's that, racist. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But they want to know what we know about the Wu flu. Sure. That, but, but that would just tell you that they're worried about what we might know about the Wu flu. But I mean, here's the thing is that generally when, when it's us, we're like, here's what we know. Here, here you go. Here's everything. Here's its, you know, structure. Here's its protein markers. Here's its run with it. You know, just like we did with SCP and polio. So, eh. right. So, anywho, yeah, I think they're going to be, um, I mean, you know, just on a gut level, my gut just tells me that they did something really bad and they know that they're going to get caught for it. Um, yeah. yeah, aside from the cyber incident that happened tonight, aside from anything else, it just my gut tells me they did something bad and that, you know. You know, the biggest thing, whether it's medical or in the computer field, is everyone leaves a kind of a DNA imprint. And if they, China did anything wrong with this Wuhan flu thing, it is likely that there are DNA markers or fingerprints left behind, just like there is in the IT virus world, that we will be able to, to trace where it came from. And if there are the fingerprints, you damn well better believe they're going to be trying to find out if we know it. Yep. Absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. That was, and that was the first thing that occurred to me, is they want to know what we found, what we found already. I, you know... You can come up with a lot of crazy theories, but in the end, some of these crazy theories are going to turn out to be correct. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's just going to be the nature of it in the end. It's been around for, it's been around since October or November. And nobody really even knew about it until December. So, anyway, that in and of itself makes you go, hmm. So, that's probably a good place to wrap it up. What you think, guys? Yeah, I think it, um, that's that's the uh, bulk and breadth of our material. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty much tapped out for tonight. We could bullshit our way through something. Well, else, I mean, there's a, I mean there's a couple things from the rundown we didn't go through, like the uh, um, the Whisper app exposing data of 900 million users, <laughs> and West and Western Union is finally doing the payback on victims of uh, fraud. But the, yeah, the, the Western yeah. Union thing I remember, and it's a it's I think that's good and it's about time but it's their employees were involved in a lot of that fraud and they need to be paying it back with regards to the whisper app I do want to say this if you are and this is like whatsapp has has really owned a lot of people in in the um the using of that particular um app but there are a couple of a, a couple of encrypted 
so-called secret messaging apps out there that are safe to use. And other than that, stay the hell away from everything else. So if you want something, if you if if you just want something free, right? Because there's if you're talking in an encrypted messaging app, you're you're probably talking about something that you don't want the whole freaking world to read, and you're you're expecting to not get compromised because of it, right? So Telegram is a pretty okay um encrypted messenger to use but there's a couple of things about that number one it's monitored by the feds because there are a lot of bad guys that use it um number two if you're going to use your phone number you're not going to be anonymous to people everybody that knows you and has you in their contacts is going to be able to see who you are so you can't can't use it as an anonymous app because people are going to know you. You have to really know what you're doing to use it and stay anonymous. So don't try that. Um, but it's it's encryption is pretty good. It has a lot of law enforcement and things monitoring it. And sometimes if you use it, you're kind of considered to be a bad guy because you're using Telegram. Signal. Yeah, but the, the one thing you have to remember, I mean, apps, just like everything else, you get what you pay for. So if you're using a free encryption messaging app, there's a reason why it's free. Yeah, and and the, but the encryption on these and, and their vulnerabilities are really pretty low. Signal is if you're a law-abiding citizen and you're not talking to people that you don't want them to know who you are, Signal is probably... Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission... Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.